0: And basically, you are facing a lot of issues with uh, maintaining and basically having a reliable system. All the time things are breaking, it's hard to add new features because of this tech debt. What would you do if you have, uh, if you have the power here, if you have some say into what the team should do? Yeah, I would migrate to Kubernetes, first of all,
1: <laughs> and then add a few AI. Welcome to our third episode of the Optimized All The Things podcast.
0: I'm your host, Bartek Podka. And I'm your host, Ivan Volkov. Optimize All The Things is a podcast about software engineering, tech, and general life optimizations. We share practical tips and strategies and general opinions about decision-making and different workflows.
1: Well said. Did you invite, I mean, invented this, this description?
0: Actually, it was ChatGPT. Oh no! Don't tell
1: anyone. No, it's <laughs> by the way, it's the only thing we we use AI for. So don't worry, our voice is, is our human voice. I was curious, like, what it means, life optimizations. Can don't we can we have mm. offline motivi- optimizations, or is it just life, like uh, for for life for living? Yeah, for life. I think that's good. That's I oh, yeah. So as usual, we'll start with some news, a couple of news, and we move to our main topic. Today we have something special. Uh, we will try to solve the problem from the Phoenix Project, a novel, a book about IT, DevOps, and helping your business win. I never read it myself, uh, Ivan read it fully, so we'll try to optimize things uh, on a bit higher level today. Let's go. Um, so what happened recently, Ivan? What's what's interesting to talk about today?
0: I have prepared only one. That's <laughs> fun, that's items. nice. I, I spun uh, with uh, questions like... though, so. <laughs> no worries, let's start, let's start with that. Uh, and I think it's uh, quite interesting uh, news. Twitter open-sourced source open source their algorithm, uh, which sounds like a huge deal, right? Uh, one of the most popular kind of social medias open-sourcing how they're showing news to people, how they're showing tweets to people. And the interesting part here is that, yeah, they tell us about their infrastructure, they tell us about all of the pipelines and how they're connected, but this doesn't really answer the question of, uh, you know, how they prioritize things, like uh, will they show me more news about politics or not, and, and things like that, and, and that's because um, basically they show the infrastructure and they don't, don't show what's called the weights or basically exactly how they um, how how they decide. uh what content to push so yeah th- i think there were a lot of news articles that uh, kind of go uh, in depth and try to figure out you know some of the human things like for example um uh, musk has like a special field for his tweets or maybe he gets uh, preferential treatment who knows uh, but yeah yeah it, it's definitely interesting uh, kind of situation what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah totally so <laughs> It's really interesting that, you know, there are so many people who wanted that, like who wanted to have to see algorithm. So there were really like people, you know, complaining that this algorithm is not open source. And then once it's open source, there are people complaining as well about other (laughs) stuff. For example, that maybe this algorithm can be actually, you know, the knowledge of this algorithm can be used for malicious things, for Mm -hmm. bots Mm -hmm. to to, to even, you know, play this algorithm even more. Um, so it's like, it's it's kind of sad that everyone, I mean, we that's the thing. Like the, when something is, um, there is something to complain, maybe, you know, it's promoted <laughs> generally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we could kind of dive into those, um, this code. And I looked on some tweets uh, and I was shocked. I was shocked that they categorize certain tweets so explicitly, right? Like tweets yeah. around Musk. That's a, you know, a special, <laughs> a special treatment. So but we already knew that uh, so maybe that's not a surprise but is a person republican or democrat like yep yep i mean this is like so toxic because it's divided (laughs) the it divides the the Mm -hmm. the community right or like the 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 social economy into two parts that fight with each other so you want to promote things uh and, and categories like that even though i'm not US citizen are you, right? So why mm-hmm. we are categorized like that. So it's it's <laughs> kind of scary. It's applying US mindset to others. There are so many broken things about that, but maybe it makes sense. I don't know, maybe maybe it's good to show only things that interest you, uh, but it, you kind of like, the fear to me is that we go into this closed mindset where we don't see the tweets with different opinion, like separate Ooh. opinion than, than ours. Yeah and we we are in the echo chamber at the end and this is kind of like the main uh, problem with twitter and any social media generally um we speak and and every every of our audience every person every yeah every member of our audience feels like agree with us but then we go to any yeah, meetup yeah. and you see oh we didn't <laughs> know even about that
0: yeah but but the thing is uh it's not the technology's problem, right? The fact that you have, like, uh, you know, some pipeline and a bunch of services that make these decisions, like, they are not inherently bad. It's uh, how people choose to tune these algorithms. Because, as you say, uh, there can be a possibility for echo chambers, but you can kind of maybe explicitly uh, try to prevent that by making every fifth tweet by someone from the opposite, uh, you know, um, let's say, party political party or something like that. Yep. Um. Yeah, interesting.
1: Um, and also I saw like some opinions about like how explicitly Ukrainian war is that promoted, mm. right? Oh really? Yeah. Like um, so they found that in algorithm essentially the the tweets about war is has a little mm-hmm. bit less weight, right? And and the reason like I don't know if it was official statement, but the reason was that hey, we don't want to Maybe share the panic or, or things like that, but yeah, it, this is sketchy because you know we are like, are you pro? I don't know, like maybe other side of the story or, um, or what is happening. So anyway, like you could kind of like provide multiple reasons for all of it, but it, it's just it's just hard. I'm so so one thing that 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 stood to me is that I think it's brave to show some of it. Of course, it's not everything as you said, but it's mm-hmm. it's nice and you are uh, you will be attacked from many different angles that's open source right <laughs> so for this part yeah congrats to twitter if it's if it's true by the way like because i saw yep. some statements that yeah maybe it's a pretty full joke or something like that uh
0: you know i saw one actually pull request to the uh, <laughs> algorithm uh, yeah there are many yeah. uh, <laughs> one was uh, changing the whole code base with the super mario code base. <laughs> i don't know maybe this would be a good good change who knows I mean there are
1: actual contributions there like what they think they think they will contribute to Twitter anyway it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting let's see how it de- develops and if if it's even yeah like true <laughs> um yep.
0: cool but let's go to the next one yeah let's let's
1: let's, let's talk about uh, april fool april jokes right so as we as we know first of ab- april you cannot trust anything you see on the web <laughs> and you know, it really depends. Um, I personally see people frustrated about all of this. Yeah. Um, the people or big companies make jokes, and you know, it's not a good moment, or because of layoffs, because of other things. Um, but you know, let's just pick some some I don't know, like some items that 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 we or like some news we found um, interesting um, in this April, right? So anything that that stood your eyes even
0: uh i actually saw the duolingo uh ad, uh-huh. <laughs> which was uh I, I don't know if it, it was from uh, this year or like from previous years but basically they created this um, kind of promotional video where Uh, they do kind of a crossover between Duolingo and Love Island Mm -hmm. where they put uh, a bunch of people that uh, speak uh, different languages uh, in the same island and they just, you know, to find your match and, you know, to learn a new language. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it was very funny because uh, we kind of leaned uh, on, you know, the... Uh, kind of meme that uh, the duolingo bird is you know uh watching you and if you don't learn your language something bad is gonna <laughs> happen to you <laughs>
1: yeah i mean this was it was really nice to see yeah just just this joke but it made in a in a very productive way right so it's not stupid it actually makes sense you may you have higher chances <laughs> to stay stay um you know, uh, find find your love, uh, if you if you know the language. So it was really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. It was this 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 year. Um, there were lots of jokes around AI, of course. Like hey, this tool gets AI, and um, that's kind of like not a joke in some way. Like people do that to or like companies do that to increase the investments and valuation and so on, and get customers. But for example, like Obsidian, which is like Notion, I think similar to Notion, like some note taking they say hey we get ai and they show this kind of like microsoft clipper on on your on the on the (laughs) note and just saying something and i think they call it unhelper or something so you know people start to make jokes out of it to to add ai everywhere Um, but it might get understood um yeah um in a a different way as well Uh, anything else yeah i don't know like some razor Uh, so razor this company doing mouses and keyboards you know, finally did some joke with Razor actually, right? So like a mouse <laughs> with Razor inside. I think like that was uh, funny.
0: Like Razor for shaving? Yeah,
1: right? yeah. so you can, uh, and they call it like, you can have your gaming face finally done mm. properly, right? So you're <laughs> streaming and then you forgot to shave and then you shave before, <laughs> right before with your mouse and then you can play further, right?
0: Yeah. Does it have uh, RGB?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Of course. How, how else? Like the, 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 Anyway, like <laughs> kind of that jokes, but... Nothing. Did,
0: did did you get pranked or did you actually make a prank on oh yeah anyone?
1: actually yeah i uh, we got pranked a little bit uh so i we, i was in you know like in some family place and then um my wife looked at her phone and suddenly she was like crying almost she was like oh no what <laughs> happened oh no and she started crying and i was like what's happening and and she was uh, seeing instagram and her brother um, has like a sport car, and it was like a picture of his car in mm-hmm. the parking lot, um, totally you know vandalized, like without mm. wheels, with like um, <laughs> wow. you know like spray on his uh, paint job and so on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it looked really, super real. Uh, but the first thing come to my mind is like, okay, this is April's full, Like, <laughs> I mean, and, and also he didn't post to family first. If that was serious yeah. he, was, he, he would call yeah, us yeah. first and not like posting in facebook or instagram but you know kasha was super pranked and super scared and honestly when i was like joking to to her brother i was also not, <laughs> not fully sure <laughs> to for example i would joke and that would be actually seriously thinking it uh, happened yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: how about you uh no not really not really i think i kind of forgot uh, it's april's fools yeah okay. i should Good be quite Quite like pranks, but uh,
1: no, No, I don't know, I'm too old for those pranks. Last (laughs) prank uh, we wanted to do was with Thanos project. Yep, um, we wanted to kind of uh, why I'm spoiling this, maybe we did, I think we did, so I can spoil it. So, for those who listen to us, we kind of like started (laughs) Thanos project, we call it Thanos, but it's you know, monitoring system. But, um, we wanted to make this joke that you know, the Thanos feature. Um, is coming, feature to this Pointering System where we actually delete mm-hmm. half of your metrics for <laughs> optimization purposes. Um, but then the company, uh, we were working together even uh, yep. startup uh, at, in UK um, you know that my manager at that point said that we shouldn't poke the beer. So kind of moral, <laughs> um, you know, making it like very very obvious that you know Thanos is connected to the Marvel. Who fought? Who
0: fought? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh but, so yeah we didn't do that and then we did i think <clears throat> a couple of years later but yeah that's my only kind of contribution to this event okay any other uh, if, yeah any other news actually i have right so <laughs> you mentioned you yep. only one um and yeah i found it interesting so there was um i'm not super popular but we, we start to see like some posts and there was one specific post that called AI and ChatGPD specifically, uh, like a bullshit parrot. So essentially st- we start to see critical uh, posts and I find it, um, yeah, super constructive. Like um, we, if someone, you know, critically observe some overhyped or like very hyped, very popular things mm-hmm. um, with constructing, f- Constructive, you know, like items, like with knowledge, with kind of like attempt to understand that. I think I, I yeah, I really appreciate those because it's so easy to go with the f- the the flow, the wave, and just always be positive about everything. But sometimes some critical thinking is is useful, right? So I found it like professional, uh, but also like one of the first that actually says that well, we might be over celebrating all of this, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- w- what was the argument? The argument was that uh, it's not so as impressive or, or there are some other concerns?
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, impressive and there are concerns about, both, right? <laughs> so, one <laughs> is that it, it just feels smart, like the, mm-hmm. the responses mm-hmm. are, are very good at generating fluff how it called mm-hmm. and this is why we can call it, you know, bullshit, because it just generates you the water. I call it like water. We, mm-hmm. we call it water mm-hmm. in, in Polish language. Like when you wrote to write something, but you know, you could write something in one sentence, but then you, you provide 10 pages. This is what usually in universities <laughs> and schools they want from us. So it's just yeah. very good at writing nothing but in large amount of words, right? So, um, so this is what uh, what is true. And, and this is because, you know, it kind of like transforms the language and, and just, you know, likes to write things. Um, yep, yep, so, yep. And the, so that's the bullshit part. And of course it will be smarter and smarter, but right now, of course there's correctional, uh, correction issues. Um, so whenever you want to actually use this, uh, you have to be expert to understand if it's actually true or not. Or saying, because there is usually no validation of any of it. It's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you know what was the highly probable next word uh, to generate, and the parrot and the parrot because it just repeats things. So the data set it was learning on like really tells what mm-hmm. it will kind of like provide further on. So if the data set is wrong or the majority of this is biased or whatever, um, yep. is just, yeah, wrong. Um, and also, you know, of course, those uh, issues around privacy, um, who is, you know, actually the owner of, you know, the stuff that you create, mm-hmm. someone created, and then, you know, the um, the AI use it for inspiration, so yeah, yeah. And yeah. of course, you know, some kind of companies, sorry, some countries actually start to ban this. And there's also like environmental issues. but. Maybe he he went over <laughs> over on some of this, but uh, there are lots of kind of inspirations to to be more um, reasonable about all of this and not just take everything um, as granted. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, just uh, for you listeners, um, uh, we'll make sure to include all, everything that we're talking about in the show notes. Yep. Cool. Uh, but uh, any any other news you want
1: to cover? Today? Oh my God, there are too many today, so. Have you heard about this AirTag issue, privacy issue?
0: Um, No, no. What is it? So AirTag is the small thing that you can buy from uh, the Apple store, put it in your suitcase or on your card and you know where they are at all times, right?
1: Correct, correct. So it's very small and it works uh, in a very neat way in a sense that, you know, it only works with iPhones, but generally you have this beacon and it works with like Bluetooth, I think, and um, any nearby iPhone, even if it's not mm-hmm. yours, is tracking this. Yep. And mm-hmm. because iPhones are like probably like majority of like at least half of, or like, yeah, some, some significant portion of uh, smartphones, you know, at, at, at given time, there is very likely that there is some iPhone nearby within like yep. five meters or, you know, 10 meters or whatever. Um so there's AirTag can be shared. And of course, like the, the you know, when I, my iPhone is not, I don't have iPhone, but if I had iPhone, <laughs> um, you know, and somebody else's AirTag is, you know, on my street, then yep. it would track, I mean, my iPhone would track, but then I mm-hmm. wouldn't even notice, right? So this is, this is background. I think you can opt out from that, but it's not as easy, right? So the privacy issue here is that people start to stalk other people. So it's so easy to now mm-hmm. like use this beacon and just put it in your car or um, yep. somewhere hidden or you know put it in your clothes or like like from spy movies, but then it's actually <laughs> used for malicious things. And yep. um, so there are two things. Um, I think I recently read that you know um, there is this actually iPhone provided this functionality where they added the notification that some air attack mm-hmm. is following you, right? And it's not your uh-huh. air attack yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's easy to, to, to find out, right? So so if, if mm-hmm. someone puts air attack essentially to to spy on you, so to check if you're not at home, to rob you or whatever, mm-hmm. or worse things. So, you know, this this feature is there. But then what you can do is to click a button and actually this air tag, somebody else air attack will make a noise so you can locate that mm-hmm. and, and kind of hear yep. it. But then those thieves and you know those malicious users um, found out that you can actually tell, take the microphone or like sorry the sound the speaker out oh, wow. like without any like mm, uh, a lot of work. So there's no speakers mm-hmm. so you can even locate it. It's so sketchy. And there's like more and more kind of issues with that, which is is uh, sad. And it's sad because I want that for Android and apparently Google was working on something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, honestly. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if I want this anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, definitely interesting. Uh, I, uh, I had an AirTag um, a while back, and we used it, uh, we basically put in the color of our cut just to make sure that he's around when you know he goes out but uh, at some point he just lost his collar so now we kind of know where the attack is because we can see it on <laughs> in our phone but it's like in the bushes somewhere in some neighbors so I haven't bothered going picking it up <laughs> <laughs>
1: come on do it just I mean you you have it you have it you have it on the yeah. on the screen right yeah, you, yeah maybe it's opportunity to meet a new neighbor <laughs> Yeah. And so you could track the cat as well. You know where, where the cat is going when, when it's outside?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't working amazingly, I think, because we live in like no not really yeah. like so populated area. So maybe the uh, concentrations of iPhones isn't huge. So we we knew that it's like a couple of houses away. Right. But we don't know exactly where.
1: So you, so you live in the Android fan area yeah <laughs> oh i love it where is it i mean i know where it is it so i should buy yeah a house there okay thank you yeah i think that's it for today it's already a huge amount of news we kind of like will leave some of some of them for future um yeah but it's interesting week it has been interesting week
0: yeah let's jump to the main part today uh we have something different planned Um, we will uh, present um, the book The Phoenix Project. Uh, I have read the book a while back, a couple of years ago. Bartek hasn't read it. So the idea here is to kind of see how Bartek will react to some of the problems that the main character in the book had to solve. A little bit of context about that. Uh, The Phoenix Project is a a kind of a fictional book. Uh, It's a a, a novel written by uh, three authors, Gene Kim, Kevin Bear, and George Spafford. Uh, It was released 10 years ago. uh, And the interesting part is that it kind of covers um, a lot of concepts around uh, development, around uh, software engineering, around DevOps. Uh, The whole story revolves around this uh, fictional company uh, called Parts Unlimited. So they basically create... uh, Car parts, right? And they have uh, a website. Uh, they have uh, physical stores, and they maintain the software in these stores, right? So a lot of systems uh, in play. Uh, but the company is kind of struggling uh, to kind of meet the demand of the market because you know everybody is moving to online shopping, and they don't have very good solution for that, and so on and so forth. So the main character in this story, the the whole book is kind of uh, written from the point of view of uh, this guy called Bill Palmer so in our experiment here Bartek you will be given the problems that Bill has to solve and we'll see how you can solve them Uh, so a little bit of background on Bill so Bill is newly promoted uh, to the position of vice president of IT Uh, so a lot of the projects that are happening in the in this uh, company are kind of lagging behind uh deadlines are not being met and the most important project in the company the phoenix project uh, is also struggling so your job today will be to kind of come up with a way to fix all of the problems in the company and basically push this project out
1: wow Ivan! like how by the, the way how does I, sound? Not, I mean honestly i thought we would be talking about harry potter I'm <laughs> no, just joking, but I was, uh, yeah, I didn't read this book, so I have no idea what it, what it's about. But what I heard is that we'll be optimizing business, right? So, I'll at least try, or at least learn some, something from it. So,
0: let's try. Yeah. Let's try. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so, let's start with the first problem. So, you're Bill. You are newly promoted to VP of IT. And kind of the first challenge that you face is there is like a lot of legacy systems a lot of uh, legacy organization structures and a lot of tech depth and basically you are facing a lot of issues with uh, maintaining and basically having a reliable system and all the time things are breaking it's hard to add new features because of this tech debt. Uh, and basically both the dev teams and the ops teams are kind of finding it very difficult to uh, work in this environment. And this is quite vague kind of situation, but it's a situation yeah. that is present in a lot of companies. So yeah. what would you do if you have uh, if you have the power here, if you have some say into what the team should do? Yeah, I would migrate to Kubernetes.
1: First, <laughs> and then add few AI. Um, no, I just yeah. So I was laughing that I will be answering with like what not to do. Um, so mm-hmm. that's exactly that. Like you should not start with communities because first, as a bill, I would like to know more about what we are selling and do we need any new features? Mm-hmm. Because you know if. <coughs> depending on that, depending on how, you know, when we need new features, um, when we need to expand on certain things, you know, how we stand with efficiency, cost, whatever, you know, I can Mm -hmm. make uh, adjustments or like decisions towards, you know, are we keeping the legacy system? Are we migrating slowly? Are we migrating hard or whatever, right? So do you you have more info?
0: Definitely. yeah, uh, let's see how how much I remember from this book and uh, just roughly. I, you could you definitely simplify be wrong, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. So um, the the problem here is uh, there are a lot of um, kind of changes that need to happen. Uh, you need to react to the market. Uh, so for example, you need to change things like pricing of the products that you're selling, and this happens on these uh, the software that is inside the stores that sell your parts, right? But this either doesn't happen fast enough, or if you make a change. Everything breaks and people can't pay for what they're buying, so you're losing, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, and these are the type of kind of um, difficulties that you need to navigate. Right? You need to make changes, but changes are very brittle, and things can break. Like,
1: nice, makes sense. Yeah. So reliability and velocity of changes are mm-hmm. are impacted. So it sounds like we are we are not adding like new stores or new parts, but kind of like making sure the the, the the software is is reusable and flexible and reliable yeah yep. so wow what um what tools <laughs> i have essentially do i have existing team or i have to scratch do i have existing organization I, mm-hmm. you know, anytime someone goes into this position, like they, they, they have this tech depth, not only in software, but, you know, like existing people who has goals, passions, skills, and then organized in a certain structure. So what structure do we have now?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the structure of this organization right now consists of uh, one big development team. Uh, they uh, also have an ops team who is responsible, responsible for kind of deploying the changes and managing the production environments. And they have uh, kind of like uh, a small security team. And this is kind of really the IT uh, world in this company.
1: Interesting, okay. So by the way, I have zero background on this. Um, so <laughs> the highest I was is tech lead <laughs> and architect, <laughs> um, not like, and I was always joking with reorgs, so now I will be doing reorgs, but <laughs> you know, let's try to 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 attempt um, something that, that used to work in some companies. So so first of all, well, we could do naive thing which is keep the structure mm-hmm. and try to solve the legacy problem. And, yeah. and the problem is, or like some cool things is that probably many people attempted that and maybe noted or like found mm-hmm. um, a crucial points of, of of problem of, you know, um, friction where those ideas were failing. For example, hey, let's spend, you know, let's do a yellow code code, or <laughs> warning code. I think yep. yellow code, we call it, is that, okay, for let's say half a year, we are spending time not developing new features, but cleaning what we have right now and trying to you know, progress to some modern tools, or um, yep. you know, something that will, will help us in those—at least from the software side and technology side.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's a very good point. Uh, at some points, you are so deep down in debt that it's basically time to repay it. Uh, but also, it's interesting how do you balance this with uh, delivering new things. Like, uh, do you do you ha- have you seen some frameworks that potentially work where? you understand that there is uh amount of tech that you need to repay but you also want to continue shipping new things like how how where how do you balance these two things
1: yeah and again this is this is you know depending on how how fast we want to fix the debt and how mm-hmm. how urgent the new features are um so you know the essentially how i would do this i don't know if the framework has any name but the name mm. is balance, which is you you schedule a certain amount of work for certain things. And then, yep. you know, maybe within the sprint, within like three weeks, <laughs> assuming you know how to do Agile and you have those things sorted, mm. right? Um, it's fairly easy to switch to different ratios. So, hey, yep. let's say in, in this month we will focus on... Twenty percent of new features, and then Mm -hmm. eighty percent of the time for for maintenance and support. So um, you can kind of play with those numbers, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. However, probably will
1: will hit like wet waterfront or whatever other you know kind of non agile or structure organizational issues. I I presume
0: or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We will. We will. Some some of the follow up questions. Okay, so let's say uh,
1: yeah. Let's say I propose this kind of like balance and three-week sprint where we kind of adjust the ratios and we have some backlog and we kind of und- identify what is the tech depth, boring thing that has to be done to make things more reliable. Of course, we do proper you know, prioritization sessions to make sure it's really yep. what is really critically needed, mm. not like fancy framework in Node.js, yep. whatever. So, so yeah, we kind of like scope to like minimum. We we scope like good monitoring observability so we even know that there is a reliability problem. <laughs> so I yep. think I think I don't know maybe all of those yeah. things are have have names, but like I'm I'm just pushing the ideas. One thing that comes to my mind before I do anything, I would set up some metric. Um, so mm-hmm. I would measure how bad it is right now, in yep. some measurable uh, way. So perhaps I would set you know, uh, SLOs, so, so kind of like mm-hmm. roughly metric of how fast is to add or change the price of the part, yep. car part or how fast is to add a new part. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have availability, so to check, you know, how, when the systems are up and down, because when they are down, we are losing money. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe those three metrics, they will be on our dashboard and, you know, we know whatever action we made, improve it or or make it worse. So it's it's kind of like whenever you optimize anything even in code level you need to have mm-hmm. a number uh, otherwise you don't know where we're going so that's exactly. the first thing
0: yeah yeah very good answers uh in the summary that i, I kind of had for what bill actually does in the book we, we cover pretty much uh, all of these things right so uh, maybe in slightly different uh slightly different approach but yeah first prioritizing what are the critical Kind of business tasks that needs to be done, right? Even if we have to fix take yep. uh, uh, that, we need to deliver these three things mm-hmm. by the end of the quarter, for example. But also, yeah, creating a plan for kind of systematic uh, tackling of this tech depth or kind of like splitting the, as you say, uh, creating balance. Yep. So yeah, uh, maybe one thing that you didn't really touch on is uh, kind of collaborating with the like other stakeholders and maybe like even uh, reporting up. Uh, the things that cannot be done because of this tech depth. And basically, m- managing the expectations of uh, your right. higher-ups, for example. Yeah, totally, valid
1: point, like, um, you know, one of the, I, fa- I thought this kind of implicit, but you're right, like you, we have those new features and we have uh, tech depth and know it might be not clear for somebody who mm, push exactly. more features to you know increase valuation or increase you know pricing they don't understand the long-term effects of it so yeah, totally yeah.
0: Yeah. and uh, to be honest like I, I believe this is a mistake that i make all the time where mm, and, and maybe you as well or like other te- people that are focused in the technology problems like it's very easy to see okay this is going to take a little bit more time because oh, it's obvious like there is this technical blocker that needs to be, needs to be overcome or. But it's not obvious for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And if you, uh, it it comes down to communication, if you're not able to communicate to the relevant stakeholders, why this is the case for them, like uh, they they don't see this as a problem, but you see it as a problem firsthand. So it's important to kind of communicate that, which kind of gives us a very good uh, segue to the next question. What uh, in Bill's situation, there are other problems, not only with tech debt, there's problems with uh, communication between teams. So you have the structure of dev, uh, dev team, you have ops team, you have security team, and they are often misaligned. They often spend uh, long periods of time working on something that turns out already changed requirements and the other team is working on something else. Um, there are bottlenecks uh, where let's say security needs to approve a lot of things and dev and ops can't deliver the features that they want to deliver. Uh, So, yeah, I think a lot of organizations can suffer from this uh, in, in different level, of course. But how would you try to solve this problem if you were Bill?
1: yeah i would start with uh, setting up ticketing system so we have like a proper <laughs> ticket system where yep. I, don't know, I would stop joking because like, people <laughs> would think it's serious yeah so honestly i'm not surprised this is happening i've seen this all over the place is that um usually when we have those silos <clears throat> so essentially like teams that have different function You know, you could kind of spread the expertise so it's easier and they focus Mm -hmm. on their stuff like, you know, security team on security, ops on, you know, running uh, software on production and then dev is developing and then, you know, giving to ops. You know, you have essentially created three different groups with entirely different goals, Mm -hmm. which... Mm -hmm. In summary, in total, they should kind of align with whatever is value to the company. But, you know, it's so hard to find uh, the balance across those three goals. Like, hey, for developer, is adding more feature. For ops is to have reliable, um, you know, production. Mm -hmm. And for security is to have secure production. So all those things are conflicting usually, right? Because (laughs) there is no way you can, you know, like easily, I mean, it's not very easy to have high reliability and mm-hmm. add more features because, you know, one thing that that uh, <laughs> kind of imp- the mo- impacts the reliability the most is change. You mm-hmm. know, if we would not update our software, like there would be no, you <laughs> know, uh, incidents, yep. right? Uh, almost known, unless someone will bite the internet cable somewhere. But it's <laughs> the same with security, right? So. Um, security wants more security features and then it's packeting velocity and mm-hmm. whatever and the reliability at the end. So okay, this is like super critical problem seen everywhere and this is why the DevOps or SRE or platform engineering came yep. in where we kind of like merge multiple functions together. Mm-hmm. So and we could kind of like talk about that, but the kind of like this is pattern where everybody is is following. and I love it, which is what it means is that I as a software engineer, I care about, I have to care about production. So I'm running the services. Maybe I'm doing a portion of ops um, duties. So maybe I'm responsible for running my software in production. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it doesn't work on every structure in every organization to Mm -hmm. have like fully, you know, um, developer and ops together because the, the hard part about that is that in like good like hiring a good person good you know <laughs> skilled developer with algorithms with you know like this yep. this understanding of computers and then good system admin in the same time right mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. things are conflicting usually or like two different branches two different computer yep. studies so what's what's helping usually in my case or like what I notice is that to have at least portion of those things so it's yep. essentially the metrics the goals align so um so sys admins or ops or or this kind of devops what is called nowadays mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. maybe are they're focusing more on operational aspect but they also develop tools they do automation then yeah uh, but maybe they do the, the 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 bottom infrastructure so the software mm-hmm. that is like you know bottom of the Uh, of the things, maybe Kubernetes, maybe other schedulers, maybe, you know, operating system for virtual machines and so Mm. on, you know, those are also kind of recognized for velocity, for features, Mm -hmm. not only reliability. And in the same fashion, developers are also recognized for reliability, not only for features. So at the end, the goals are kind of similar, but it's super hard to maintain this balance. It's not easy in practice, but it's better than having two silos, right?
0: Yeah. And yeah, for yeah, security,
1: sure. I would need to think more. I I I think it's kind of similar flashing like have some essentially developer doing the security features mm. as a feature uh,
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and
1: it's recognized for that as well. So you we kind of combine the goals together.
0: Yeah, I uh, I agree with your approach. Uh, I definitely think that uh, you know, kind of like SRE culture or like devops culture is uh, the way to go and um, it can really empower organizations to I know, deliver faster, deliver more reliable products and so on and so forth. What would you do if you can't do that, right? Let's say um, hiring new people takes too much time or upskilling uh, your current, let's say, developers or ops people to to kind of take some of the other responsibility. If, you, if you're kind of stuck with this structure or maybe it's for other reasons. Maybe you have a uh, kind of um, regulator saying, oh, Only certain certified ops people can touch production data, right? Developers don't have, shouldn't have the rights to even touch production. What could you do in this situation to reduce this kind of um, uh, cross-team problems? Well, change
1: company, I guess, (laughs) 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 for different vice president of somewhere else. No, it's honestly uh, hard, right? Because like people are afraid of change. Um, Mm -hmm. They are afraid of new things, they're especially production, they have to debug Linux or debug production systems. So, yep. h- however, you know, the, 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 the this culture is evolving outside as well. So I think it's nowadays it's nicer, there are lots of resources. So you don't have any other way than kind of educating and trying to mm-hmm. shift certain responsibilities over, right? So yep. developer, maybe it's not on call immediately because it cannot mm-hmm. touch production, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, but at least it's participating in rollouts it's it, it yep. hard to understand the rollouts, which mm-hmm. means it has less time for for features, of course. But maybe the ops people have can help with the features because ideally they have less time spent on the rollout procedures mm. and yep. testing, all of it, right? So also the testing is interesting part, right? Because we I <laughs> think before I was born, and I'm just joking, maybe not that, but <laughs> before I started to do my career, there were those popularization of testing engineers, focus QA engineers. And this is all of, of course still happening, mm-hmm. but I never worked in the company or like in, yep. in, a, in a branch that has a tester. I never had a tester. I have to test myself. Mm. It's trivial for me that I have to know that. But I yep. expect for maybe some legacy organizations having the same problem with this. So anyway, that's my idea. Shift maybe more responsibilities as much as possible. And then um, also share responsible uh, responsibility of something that we are missing. So developers are using, you know, doing less features to ops who can help with the features.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I Agree. Um, uh, what about won't...
1: the the fictional Bill? Was was, yeah. was <laughs> he was smarter probably? What he thought? Uh,
0: so Bill Bill did uh, similar things. Uh, basically, he wanted to um, kind of increase this like feeling of shared responsibility. But maybe he took a little bit uh, different approach than yours. He, yeah, he. I think he went more for the manager route, right, rather than the developer route, which is. Well, let's set up some meetings. (laughs) So he set up some (laughs) weekly catch-ups, you know, project reviews um, in order to make sure that people in the different kind of swim lanes are aligned, right? So you know what Ops is doing. You know what Dave is doing. Basically, Ops knows ahead of time that something is happening in dev Uh, and basically trying to improve the transparency and communication between the different uh, departments. Um, In the book, this helped him. Uh, in I region? mean, that's the greatest
1: <laughs> idea to give more meetings to people who are already busy. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the goal it makes sense. My in practice that might mean that might mean face to faces might be mm-hmm. like just just a kind of like one week of more meetings, but generally maybe less later on, and then more asynchronous work where mm. we see each other proposals, yep. see each other backlog. I think what's super popular nowadays and. I never seen the practice on. Well, I see in practice in Google, of course, but um, some kind of like backstage. Uh, this is like mm-hmm. Sh- Shopify. Yep, 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 Not yep. Shopify. Shop- There's, um, uh, Spotify. Spotify, Spotify. Spotify. Another EFI, um <laughs> solution like this open source project backstage, which uh-huh. is kind of like a service catalog for. Um, for different services, but generally, what it means is that you can plug in any. It's like a website that that shows yep. what company is doing, really, and and different themes, uh, mm. so that you can share the knowledge without meetings. Generally, so I really yeah. like that. Right. So, um, but you are right. Like in practice, just meetings is not super answer. But maybe <laughs> for for managers, maybe for leaders, you have to be smarter than that, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Bill, just, what you no. are doing? <laughs>
1: anyway, maybe there. there but, of course, there's more, more complex things in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. he obviously had the constraints where he had very little time to, to do something. So basically no real time to do all the upskilling and you know sharing the responsibility between teams. But another interesting thing that he did was uh, trying to streamline the processes that uh, are between teams. So like if you need approval from InfoSec, for example, yeah. um, there was a process in place and it was taking a long time. And the turnaround time from request to approval to... Uh, you know handoff was too long right so trying to find first find all of these processes that are taking a long time and reducing uh, reducing the friction or maybe batching requests or whatever it is to to make uh, you know the whole um organization move faster yeah i love it
1: i love it but that's that's essentially automation as well like of course some of it can be automated some of it can be like you don't need to provide all those fields but they're kind of to some form which is very Mm -hmm. manual and the verification of this form is manual no you can totally provide a lot of automation to all of it so i love it yeah and there is kind of one saying from I don't know if I, yeah. I guess I can mention from Richie, our favorite. <laughs> I don't know if I, one of the favorites Prometheus maintainer. Like he always says, processes are easy to add but hard to remove. And, mm, and I think I this is it. also kind of um, where those streamline of processes is easier than than mm, easier yep, to say yep. than than it is in practice to kind of reduce because because people got used to those things and and yeah. So so but yeah, great idea.
0: Yeah. Nice, nice. Let's jump into the next problem. Uh, one interesting kind of uh, feature of the dev team that uh, Bill is mentioning is uh, that they have this kind of like superhero, this 10X engineer. Uh, he's called Brent. He knows all the legacy systems. He's the one that always fixes all the issues. Um, if you want anything done, you just go to Brent. If something is broken, you go to Brent. But you know what happens? One day he he just doesn't show up to work and everything's broken. Uh, He eventually comes back to work but uh, he's overworked, he has too many things he has to do, he doesn't really have time to work on the Phoenix project, he needs to help other people with their legacy issues. So what would you do if you were Brent's boss?
1: Oh man, give this man the rise, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he can work double time because he is the Make pillar it... of our company. No, 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 just joking. Um, this is great, great problem. I mean, it's very, very common. Like people, uh, you know, with expertise, you know, stay very yeah. long in the company, so mm-hmm. they have like this tribal knowledge, and and they go to promotion and, and everything. So, so they're kind of like motivated to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, irreplaceable right because yep. if you are replaceable then you get promotion get raises all the time <laughs> because you you are the again the pillar so yeah this is very fragile company structure totally but in other hands i wouldn't kind of also like make this as a negative thing because it mm-hmm. i think generally there was those jokes about those 10x engineers and at the end you know sounds like we don't want exceptional people like that sounds like mm-hmm. we you don't you shouldn't focus on work exceptionally you shouldn't be the next because that's negative for company and that's mm-hmm. also wrong right of course you should be amazing you should be you know experts so just upfront, i want to say that yeah yeah just be amazing be exceptional mm-hmm. um, but of course we need this ha in a company so high availability mm-hmm. of resources human resources <laughs> like so it. so um what i would do honestly like the first thing uh i i don't maybe this too too forceful and too brutal but i would just give him vacations of like one month (laughs) or or move it to totally different organization so what we'll think is that it will create a huge chaos in the beginning but then people realize that oh actually i can check this myself i can i actually you know do things myself and i don't need this um i don't need to lean on somebody else i can do this extra mile and maybe become understanding this this system myself right so many many cases like if somebody is out mm-hmm. for some time you know we realize they are not so irre- uh, irreplaceable and you can kind uh-huh. of get there and yes. of course i would do that but then also i would well i would first of all talk with him what or her actually brand so him uh talk with them you know what what's their passion is like if they are they or are they okay with not you know kind of getting Mm -hmm. in this kind of irreplaceable out of irreplaceable situation so first of all there's of course their their own goals and how how but let's say he agrees on kind of whatever we think Mm -hmm. was was good for the company then i would i would start to have some long-term plan on on maybe delegating more which means you know writing more documentation having those no like sharing sessions, which can be periodic by the way, like super use- useful, like twice a week even, like any presentation or anything, but yep. more documentation because we love, we live in remote work and and more asynchronous and give him his free, free, free time so people can accommodate <laughs> the new
0: situation. Yeah, nice. I honestly don't know if you somehow have access to my notes because you're mentioning a lot of no, things. Seriously, no, have- seriously, <laughs> no yeah I know in my personal drive you shouldn't have access to that <laughs> yeah, but, never uh, <laughs> yeah Bill okay. does uh, something very similar right uh, in, in the book um, he recognizes that this is a problem um, and he kind of starts I- identifying all the different uh, uh, types of work that uh, Brent is being gi- is, is being given uh, and really tries to kind of treat, This, uh, you know, uh, special resource uh, with some kind of, uh, mm, you know, more priority, if I could say that. um, But basically trying to track what work uh, gets to them uh, so that, you know, this can be managed. It's not just ad hoc requests that come via email or somebody comes to his desk and just ask him to do something. It's, It's a real process where, you know, you can kind of push back on if work becomes too much. But another thing that uh, they do in the book is, uh, again, uh, trying to uh, kind of improve the training or the cross-training within the organization, the knowledge sharing within the team so that, you know, brand is not this uh, single point of failure. And as you say, this starts with uh, documentation. Um, And really, I I, I like your terminology of HA, engineer. And I I usually say this as... uh, you, you you kind of have to scale yourself, right? Uh, and you usually scale yourself by exactly sharing your knowledge, sharing uh, you know uh, all the things that you are a single point of failure, so that you know others can pick up uh, pick up that work. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine.
1: The... It's fine. Like it sounds like Brand has to invest in leadership more the, if if he wants to grow or she where, mm-hmm, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he invested more in ec- local expertise and isolating this
0: expertise uh, for a good reason, because he wanted to be helpful or she. Yeah. 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 But there is, uh, there is a, maybe another uh, way to look at this. Uh, the, some people say that uh, if you make yourself irreplaceable, you know, that's amazing because uh, you can't get fired. Like what's what's your opinion on that? I definitely have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Hmm. Do you think people should make themselves irreplaceable within <laughs> their team? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, that's not good for business, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But is it good for you? I don't think. I think it's toxic. <laughs> I think should, yeah, I think it's not good for business, which means it's not good for you eventually, Mm long-term, right? mm -hmm. So I see a lot of uh, bad long-term consequences, but Mm short-term, you know, that might be tempting. So I can see this being tempting. What what do you think? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, My opinion is that, uh, and maybe that's my preference just now, but uh, there always needs to be some kind of movement, right? You you kind of have to learn new things, you have to do new things, you have to gain new responsibilities, right? And if you just right. uh, kind of stick to one thing and just become the expert yeah, and protect stale. the knowledge around... Exactly, exactly. So I think it's not good for you. It's definitely not good for the team, right? Because, um, yeah, you're preventing, you know, uh, other people to also deliver that much. And actually, there was a super interesting article that I read today. It was called, How to be... A minus 10x engineer <laughs> so all the I mean, best practices so you
1: are demolishing things or <laughs> exactly exactly but uh,
0: most of the most of the things there weren't about what you do as an individual it was how you affect others right mm-hmm. so for example if I create a meeting and I invite five engineers and I just spent one hour rambling about something that is not important
1: tab and spaces w-
0: what happened? we have lost how many 58 yeah. Uh, like five engineering hours so yeah it's uh there are many many other examples of this uh and and i think uh, this one like hiding information or like protecting uh, your road uh, just for a second is one example of like yeah. negative influence
1: oh yeah this is this is yeah this is again this is bad for business so it's immediately wrong but but you're right like you have to get outside of your comfort zone You know, frequently. Otherwise, you you are not growing, right? And you are you will be not happy. Uh, And that's at least my my uh, my thinking. So you're right. Like there, even even maybe medium term, there there are some bad consequences. Alright, what's uh, what's about Bill? Did he succeed? Did he got uh, you know
0: those vested stocks and so on? (laughs) yeah yeah bill actually succeeds uh just i'm not gonna spoil the book uh, there are a bunch of things that are happening <laughs> a bunch of interesting uh, maybe uh, people interactions with other folks in the company yes. uh but yeah there's definitely like villains and heroes and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah it's an interesting book if you if you if you i will decision, i will right definitely read that yeah. but uh, there's one interesting thing that's Happens in the book, and it kind of helps Bill a lot. And this is the presence of a mentor, and the mentor for Bill in the book is kind of like a senior uh, person uh, that joins the board of directors, I believe. Um, and they have a lot of kind of expertise in managing teams, uh, so they kind of show him okay. around. Uh, they tell him about all of these practices, and these are kind of really the practices that. Uh, Bill later on realizes that will help him, you know, uh, save the company. But uh, an interesting question for you, I believe will be, um, what do you think about mentors? And how can mentors affect your career, like your growth as an engineer or or as a person? Do you have some experience uh, with like good mentors, bad mentors, and uh, vice versa? What do you think about mentoring others? So let's start with the first part. Tell me what's your uh, thought on being mentored?
1: Uh, Funny thing is that I was mentoring uh, quite many, many engineers. Um, I would say in total, I don't know, 20 or something. Some of them I'm mentoring right now. And, you know, so I have experience there and they seem happy, some (laughs) some of them, (laughs) but... Um, no, I'm just joking. All of them, but um, but then I was not mentored that much. Um, mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. maybe three like official mentors, where we kind of like called each other mentor and mentee, and we mm-hmm, did th- mm-hmm. those meetings, and and we kind of like um, you know maybe grab a coffee, maybe whatever, and then you know they were uh, it was kind of official mentorship, but I have many many people who helped me, and they didn't even know they were mentored and. I'm so grateful of 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 those on my journey. So I think like mentorship is super super important, uh, but it doesn't need to be like cold mentorship. It can yep, be like yep, ro- yep. very just, just hey, help me with this problem, uh, and we can meet every month or like couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. And if the person has some experience or like just ask good questions, you you might grow. <clears throat> so I I think it's crucial. Um, it can go sideways, right? I had situations mm-hmm. where my mentor was so. Uh, smart and so opinionated and I felt like maybe uh, you know (laughs) yeah insecure or whatever and Mm -hmm. he was my boss or something which is (laughs) you should not do that Uh, yeah I was like depressed or something so so you you have to be careful but generally it's it's must-have so do it yeah and I really recommend what about your thoughts Ivan did did you have mentor
0: yeah not really I, I, I don't think I've ever had like official mentor I have, obviously, um, I've been lucky to work with a lot of, uh, you know, smart engineers, smart people, uh, smart managers, um, and I have learned a lot from them, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, I, I don't think it was any, like, structured interactions, it was more I'm trying to uh, absorb knowledge. But yeah, I'm, uh, if anybody wants to mentor me, I'm for <laughs> mentor. <laughs> for free, uh, <laughs> well, maybe we can figure out some payments, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so generally, what 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 is useful for is to open mind for something yeah. you didn't know or didn't realize that you are maybe closing yourself in some mm-hmm. frames. You didn't thought about this cool uh, option, right? And so sometimes it's like, uh, yeah, like bra- brain teaser, and it, it's super excellent if if you have somebody yeah. uh, trustworthy like that. Um, mm.
0: uh, yeah, well, I, would your... say, I would
1: say I would. Now you gave me this kind of, this, this, (laughs) I would, I would definitely, um, look, I, I think I have mentor right now at Google, uh, my current workplace. Um, she's amazing. So I feel I will stick to that, but, you know, definitely search for mentor officially Mm -hmm. and just try to like be very open. It's like, Hey, I want, I'm seeking for some open-minded conversations. So, um, it's totally okay to ask for those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what's your opinion on, uh um, using books like this one, for example, or listening to podcasts like this one, or any kind of um, non, you know person to person conversations to use as mentorship tools. Yeah, or you wouldn't yeah. call this mentorship at all.
1: I mean, isn't that obvious? Like when you read book, you kind of open mind and kind of learn things. So mm-hmm. I think um, this is totally, you know, similar tool for your growth. Um, even writing things. So I was writing book, mm-hmm. right? And I learned a lot uh, because I have to research and, other, and read other stuff and to talk yeah. to people. So, so that's, that's it. But mentorship, I think is focused on like human human to human experience and, and someone actively poking you and asking you questions um, mm-hmm. so you kind of think more. And probably, probably you are able to learn skills um, mm-hmm. So you can ask those critical questions to in yep. your mind, but then you have to be, I think, like superpowered, like have some superpower, because like <laughs> I'm too lazy to ask myself those mm. things. But you know, any of it, like reading, doing, doing anything mindfully, like even mm-hmm. even uh, praying or maybe you know meditating, all those yep. things matter, So so it's kind of mentorship, but again you probably need somebody to poke, poke you and get you out of the comfort zone.
0: Yeah, definitely. Maybe the way I'm thinking about it right now is like, let's say I want to learn skiing. I can watch uh, YouTube videos or I can get a ski teacher. Right? Which one will be faster? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So w- we talked about uh, a, a book uh, like a, a, which is uh, fiction about DevOps, about software engineering, about uh, um, all these problems that... By the way, did I pass f- the interview? Yes, yeah, yeah. you, you are hired? You're hired. Can I be vice no, but, uh, president of you know, There is a text screen after. So some coding, I don't know, reversing binary trees. Okay, I hope let's, do this. For that. let's do this yeah. in
1: five minutes. But then uh, the <laughs> leadership section I have covered.
0: Yeah, Yeah. leadership, <laughs> five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's, what's the question? But yeah, uh, okay. Uh, we talked about this uh, fictional fiction book uh, about uh, software engineering DevOps uh, problems that we're facing day to day life. You wrote a book. But it's not fiction; it's uh, non-fiction. It's about uh, performance uh, in goal. Do you think you would ever want to write a fiction book?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if if I will write, but I would definitely have fun from that. Like something I'm, I love doing, and I notice it's useful is when I don't know how to do things, and then I do it, right? Or try to do it, mm-hmm. and slowly, mm-hmm. slowly you progress. So I was doing, you know, like book writing or blog posting first, and then I started to talk to people more and more, and <laughs> then I started to do leadership more, and then I started, you know, public speaking. So all of this, I was super bad at, and, and you know, at some point while growing, you know, and trying those things, you you were learning. So definitely a fictional book, I never, um, you know i wouldn't know how to start but i know that the story the story is powerful and mm-hmm. what i wished i could do more in my public speaking my you know like really any presentation i'm making or any you know like content i'm giving is to provide a story a story that you know excites people audience and mm-hmm. also teaches them something And I think fictional book, especially something productive like this fictional thing around technical stuff is super powerful because it kind of like gets you engaged. um, But also you learn on the way because people are lazy. I am lazy, right? So you want to have fun and learning Mm -hmm. on the way if you can compose those things. So if I would do fictional stuff, maybe I would consider doing this around something like a learning tutorial stuff, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think it's extremely powerful. like imagine the story of optimization but making it in like dragons and dungeons or or, <laughs> or or things like that yeah but um raw fictional just for fun I I don't know because I didn't read a lot of books recently about just fictional stuff. I'm I suck at this yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do more gaming and do more um video. What, like film watching, so I've, I would do rather game or video, honestly.
0: <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's definitely a very interesting idea. And to be honest, I haven't found many other books like that, which try to kind of maybe bridge the gap between uh, fiction and uh, non-fiction, especially for quite focus on one particular industry. So yeah, I think that's definitely something that's quite interesting.
1: I, next time, so next book we write together. We write the criminal yeah, yeah. criminal. Yes. So to be like mystery. Exactly. Mystery, murder mystery, and they will optimize a code in, in, in between. <laughs> <laughs> to solve the mystery faster. Like brute force the, <laughs> the, the the combination of lock or something. Exactly. Sounds good. And then he optimized allocations in the line twenty-two and murder was
0: solved kind of anticlimactic but yeah we, we can work with that
1: anyway thanks for um reading this first of all uh, reading the book and and um yeah it was i think it was insightful so lesson learned generally summary like for this book like one thing that you you found the most interesting to sum up
0: yeah yeah i, I think the book uh, can be summarized in like uh, several paragraphs they it presents a bunch of ideas but m- most of them are around uh, what we call nowadays devops right and it's uh, thinking yeah. about reducing friction between uh, different parts of the organization mm-hmm. um, trying to optimize not like for an individual but for like the team performance or the organization performance uh, utilizing feedback right trying to um, kind of deliver quickly and then Mm -hmm. work on that uh, using data to improve your decisions and so on and so forth and always striving for continuous improvement amazing yeah Yeah. Yeah.
1: i learned from our discussion about managing expectations so this is what i (laughs) miss like um we can do amazing work but um if whatever stakeholder we have customer or Mm -hmm. maybe investor or maybe your manager is not understanding things properly you know you will be in a miserable state so it's uh, it's important to share transparently what you do and what's the problem and and kind of share share all those things. So so thanks for for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, if you want to leave some feedback, um, there will be a Google Forms link uh, in the episode notes.
1: Yeah, enjoy. And uh, if you are on KubeCon in Amsterdam, um, meet me there. Uh, We can do some conversation. I will do some interviews and let's share some knowledge and optimize things. Thank you.